279. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So 2 Corinthians is a letter uh, that is um, written by Paul. Today is the first day of 2 Corinthians. Uh, it is very pastoral. It is very personal. You know, um, after he had written the first one, folks had rejected Paul, right? And he was telling them what to do. So you could expect folks to actually be like, nah, I ain't really rocking with him. Um, uh, so basically after this, he makes a painful visit to the Corinthian church. He has to like, let them know face to face. You feel what I'm saying? And then after this, he writes another letter that he mentions was full of anguish and tears. And most, not all of the folks, uh, because of that letter repented. Right. And so here he writes to them again to say, hey, no, no, no. Like I still love y'all. Right. To assure them of the reconciliation, the joy he has for them and uh, to receive an offering on behalf of the church at Jerusalem. And then finally, uh, the purpose of this letter is to defend his apostleship, right? Against these false apostles that he will talk about in the text who came and were trying to influence and uh, uh, persuade the Corinthians not to uh, follow Paul's lead and his letters and his teaching who uh, were actually wolves in sheep's clothing. And so 2 Corinthians 1 starts off this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any, in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, check this, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. So Paul opens up praising and blessing the name of God. Why? Because although he has experienced deep suffering, right? He, he He's like, no, 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 so much like, no, I, I experienced suffering crazy, but you know, it was so bad and it was so bad that I didn't want to live. Right. In verse eight, he talks about how at the same time, though, he experiences comfort uh, from God as well. And one of the things Paul is going to do all throughout this letter is uh, speak of the character and nature of his ministry for the Lord. And he will look at the character and nature of his ministry for the Lord through the cross of the Lord. Right. So he will look at his ministry through the cross. He has this cross shaped ministry, ministry, this cruciform lifestyle. And he says that uh, the sufferings of Christ overflow to him. Right. And the comfort uh, does as well so that the comfort can overflow to others. It's interesting because the point he's trying to make is, um, you know, that the worst thing about suffering is the pain we have to endure. But the redemptive thing about suffering is that it teaches us how to comfort others as they endure as well. Right. And for the Christian. Right. It, I remember uh, a friend of mine, uh, uh, my homie, Tim, uh, Tim Simpson. He says that uh, the cross gives suffering a new meaning. Right. And I love that because suffering has a goal as we as we live on mission for Jesus. It's meant to make us like Jesus, but it's also meant to make us trust him right he talks about that in his text it deepens our faith and dependence on the one who raises the dead the gospel is the only place right that tells us hear this to expect suffering and at the same time gives us resources to endure it right and throughout this chapter paul goes on to talk about the way in which he planned to come to them uh and how he didn't right and he anticipated the pushback and says oh i'm not integral or, or insincere i don't i don't have two minds but uh you know this 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 was because I didn't want to cause you any more pain. And in two Corinthians two, he moves on, and he speaks of the letter he wrote that he penned in anguish and tears. And what many think happened is that most of the church repented, right? And at the same time, one cat who had been who had been bashing Paul's name in the process, uh, uh, you know, received church discipline, right? And so what Paul is going to say is this: He says, "Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him, the guy. I wrote this." I wrote for this purpose to test your character, to see if you are obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I do too. For what I have forgiven, 
If I have forgiven anything, it is for your benefit in the presence of Christ. Check this. This is so good right here. So that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. In other words, this brother should know that on the other side of his discipline, that you and we love him and that you and I forgive him. Right. And we ought to forgive him. And do you know why? Do you know what would happen if we didn't? He says we would put ourselves in a position and we need to hear this to be on fertile grounds where Satan can plant seeds. Right. And so he will say, in other words, a place of unforgiveness leaves the back door open for Satan himself. And this is so good for us as Christians in this in this in this 21st century age, because we live in a cancel culture. fam. Like we live. If somebody do me wrong, they're done. They're dead to me. And. And, and, and forgiveness is not a popular virtue in our society, right? But at the same time, it's still a Christian one, right? And so for, 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 for Paul, what he's saying is that the enemy, Satan, the devil, fam, can take advantage of our unforgiveness. This is something we really need to remember. Second Corinthians 3. In the chapter two, he starts to begin to low key and yet high key throw jabs at the super apostles. And he says, fam, we ain't never peddled the gospel for a check, right? Check my credentials, right? Well, not check my credentials because he's actually going to go against uh, credentials here. But he's but he's saying, no, no, like, remember, like, no, no, I ain't never peddled the gospel for a check, right? I wasn't in it for the money, right? And he will even get more explicit when he talks about these letters of uh, recommendation, right? So he's going to play on this theme of letters of recommendation. Now, in Paul's time, in the first century uh, Greco-Roman world, itinerant ministers use letters of recommendation to establish their legitimacy and authority. And Paul is like, no, 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 our letters... Our recommendation are you you are our letters of recommendation right in other words the legitimacy of my apostleship is seen through you right and then he will mention that not only ours but more importantly you are christ's recommendation letters and he ain't write this out by hand or on stone like moses he wrote this on the tablet of human hearts all right and this is even more visible than before so it's so it's so interesting here like this this is more uh uh potent and more powerful right and what paul is going to argue is that one of the way ways we can we can we can know the work of the spirit and the work of jesus is in our midst is through these transformed lives right and listen it's, it's so good it's so many it's, it's, it's so many practical points i can pull from this but um I, I love the way he juxtaposes the old covenant with the new covenant he's like no we ministers of a new covenant but um i think one of the things uh we have to remember is that um, anyone who ever doubts the goodness of god uh, you, you know what they usually do, right? They usually look at all of the bad examples of Christians, right? Or they've been uh, hurt by actual or, or been recipients <laughs> of bad uh, examples of Christians. And, um, you know, they look at all those who claim to wave the banner of Christ and live contradictory to it, right? And this is like ammunition and fuel for why church isn't legitimate, Christianity isn't legitimate, whole nine yards. And we should, yeah, be patient with those people and, and uh, look to repair those relationships. However, I rarely hear um, of folks who seek out the best example of Christians they can find, right? The best examples of spiritual transformation uh, they know, right? When thinking about the legitimacy of church and the ministry of Jesus. And Paul is saying, this is more evidence of God's work in and through someone than any credentials could ever be. The fact that y'all are changed by the Holy Spirit is the biggest credential there is. And he goes on to say, because, because why? Because, because, it's the spirit that works in people. It's Paul is saying, no, no, no. like it wasn't me, right? It, it's it's God, right? And he goes on to say, we are ministers of this covenant that God made with his people through Christ and the work of the spirit. 
And we go on to characterize the nature of this ministry that he has as even more glorious, right? And he says, no, 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 if the lesser, if the old, if the old covenant had glory, right? How much more this one, right? And he would tell them that the way to continually be transformed into the image of Christ, to, to, to continue in this trajectory through which the spirit has set them on is to continue to gaze at the face of Christ, right? As in a mirror. And I love it because he says as in a mirror and the imagery is good because no one stands far away from a mirror to look in to see what they want to see, right? They stand close, right? We have to stand close to a mirror to see what we want to see in the intimacy uh, with Jesus. Uh, uh, like the, the imagery here is saying like, no, no, stand and stay close to Jesus, right? Get as close to him as you can so you can really see him. And this is an image of intimacy, right? The intimacy that we have with Jesus produces a likeness to Jesus, right? This is the ministry Paul has risked his life for, right? To see people being transformed into the image of the glorious Lord. The Messiah himself. Last chapter of this bunch. Chapter four. Uh, he says, therefore, since we have this ministry, I just laid out, right? Because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. I love it. Uh, this ministry, as many have pointed out, is not just for cl clergymen, right? It's not just for pastors and ministry leaders. Um, this is the reason he speaks uh, in first person plural pronouns. He says, we right so so we have a ministry so in other words christian if you are listening to this you have a ministry and i love what he uh goes down to in verse eight he says we are afflicted in every way but not crushed we are perplexed but not in despair we are persecuted but not abandoned we are struck down but not destroyed things that would take them uh things that would have taken uh, anyone else out of the game are not true for those who walk with the lord right we are operating with a power that is not from ourselves if we read the text carefully the very glory that we are being transformed into after the pattern of the glorified and resurrected jesus second corinthians 3 uh, is uh the same glory uh so 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 if we want to be transformed into into the glory of jesus uh we we have to take the same path as the glorified and resurrected Jesus, right? And I love it because this isn't just spiritual, it's physical, right? The very real persecution, pain, and affliction we experience, uh, according to Paul, is uh, because we fellowship in the Messiah's sufferings. Um, but it also will be outdone by the physical uh, bodily blessing that is coming for us. And the weakness that is present in us in this life doesn't crush us or eclipse us, but God's power that is working in and through us is seen right in the midst of our suffering glory only comes through suffering life only comes through death exaltation only comes through humiliation right on this side of the resurrection we live a cruciform life and at the same time are beacons of god's power so paul ends it this way he says though so so therefore again right we do not give up even though our outer person is being destroyed our inner person is being renewed day by day for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory so we don't focus on what, what is seen on what is on but on what is unseen for what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal i think what paul is saying here is that our focus right our eyes are not fixed on things that are merely invisible but things that are just not yet visible things we will have one day when we will behold with our real eyes and real hands before the Lord. Let's pray. God, we ask that we will focus our eyes on the things that are eternal. God, we are so tempted towards the temporal, and I pray that you would uh, fix our attention and put it 